The Supreme Court talks F-bombs, cheerleading, and Snapchat. At this rate, the court will soon be putting Julia Stiles on the bench. Also, a lady was pulled over in Texas and was informed that there was a warrant out for her arrest. Her crime? She had failed to return a VHS rental. I believe librarians everywhere are lawyering up. Yeah, this is going to be their season, their day. Plus, Amy explains, as a divorce lawyer, why we are entering pre-numbed season. We cover all of this and more in this week's Debriefing of the Law. Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. Hello, everyone. Welcome. My name is Amy Francis Lemansky. Amy, I am so glad you did not forget your cue. I just, I'm going to pause there and just see how long it takes, and I'm going to count the seconds, but you jumped right in, and so you're good to go, which surprises me, Amy, because you just came back from vacation. So my thought is you probably aren't even all there yet, right? I, are you like these people when you come back from vacation, you need a vacation? I do need a vacation I from my vacation, but I don't have time to do that. I, you know, See? I'm the person that comes home and just immediately starts working. That, that's what I'm saying. People need to plan. Now, you got to be older because when you're young, you, you don't have enough guts to do this. But if, if you were smart, and I'm not accusing you of being <laughs> smart, far be it for me to do that. But um, people would plan a vacation after their vacation, just to kind of wind down. Now, I'm, I'm kind of, um, I am the worst culprit of this. My wife will tell you that my vacations are planned out every six minutes. When we go to a theme park, I have that thing scheduled out to the nth degree, which is so anti-Joel. I'm usually fly by the seat of my pants, not when it comes to vacation. We are getting up with the rooster, and we are just having fun. What, what, what type of vacationer are you? Oh man, I would hate you on vacation. I would hate you. Every minute of my life is planned in normal life. So when I go on vacation, nothing is planned. Nothing. Aside from like maybe a scheduled massage or a pedicure, but nothing else is planned. Interesting. Just when you said that, my thought is so when we vacation, do we do the opposite? Because I normally just fly by the seat of my pants. And that's how I operate every single day. Well, just I have actually traveled to places and you know for business. And I've landed on the airplane. And then while, while, while the plane is taxiing in, I then think, okay, where should I get my hotel room for tonight? Uh, I just fly by the seat of my pants. But so when I go on vacation, I'm the opposite. I, I plan everything out to the nth degree. And you seem to be the exact opposite. Absolutely. I want nothing planned. I live in a world where my trips to the bathroom during the day are planned. Okay. I have every waking minute of my life on a schedule. If you looked at my calendar, you would probably be nauseous as most people would be. Yesterday, I had a phone call with a client every 15 minutes from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. It was awful. Are you the real life version of Sheldon Cooper? Did you watch Big Bang Theory? I do. I wish I was as brilliant as Sheldon Cooper. No, I just, you know what it is? There's just not enough hours in the day. Not enough right. hours in the day. 
Well, I'm glad you are back. Did you enjoy your vacation to Florida? I enjoyed immensely. Not one single thing was planned. My daughter had an amazing time. My husband had an amazing time. Grandma and grandpa were super excited to see everybody. Nice. It was awesome. Thank you for asking. Uh, all right. And you you made it back. Now, I, I did make note from our previous podcast that you were very concerned about flying with your child. I will just throw this out there. The last time I flew anywhere with my youngest son, Luke, one of the passengers asked the the flight attendant if she could give my son, who's one years old, vodka. And, and so um, that's kind of gives you a little bit of experience. Not for her, for my son. Give vodka to my son, who's one years old. Again, he is now 18. We have not flown in 17 years. Oh, but nice. that being said, uh, how was your experience? You know, she was really good. My main concern was the whole mask thing, right? Whatever side you stand on, I'm not looking to create a war over whether you should wear a mask, whether you shouldn't wear a mask. My daughter is two and a half, okay? So okay. getting her to wear a mask is very difficult. She doesn't understand... Right. She is ripping it off her face. You know, one minute she's a ninja, <laughs> next minute she doesn't want to be a ninja anymore, right? So it was, you know, she was pretty good about it. Um, she did not wear a mask the entire flight. Nobody said okay. anything. I think at the good. beginning of the pandemic, people were really rigid because they were super freaked out. But now, you know, and this is the other thing, no social distancing. This right. flight was packed like a sardine can. Right. So, so no empty seats and people are, I thought maybe you would leave the middle seat empty, but it's basically everyone in the plane like normal. Everyone in the plane like normal. And we flew Spirit. So if you've ever flown Spirit, Joel, okay. you should not because you're incredibly <laughs> tall and I don't think this plane would be big enough for you. Right, right. Yeah, I know. But the reality is. In my budget, no planes are big enough for me. And so it's like, do you want do you want the the aisle seat? It's like you don't understand. There is not a single lazy boy here on this plane that's actually going to be comfortable. Unless the pilot wants to move over, I don't have a chair on this plane that's going to be comfortable for me. But even though I, I slightly complain about that, I once flew Southwest with Danny Manning. Now you probably don't know who Danny Manning is because you're not from Kansas, but he was our incredible basketball player. He was a Naismith award winner. He won a national championship for us. Number one pick in the NBA draft. He's six foot 11. Mm. So I thought, okay, at least it's not that bad. At least I'm not six foot 11 uh, flying Southwest, but um, I'm glad you had a fun time in Florida back to work. But I will say that one of the things I do appreciate about life and Amy, I hope that life is never so important or, or fast paced for you. You don't forget to take advantage of the small opportunities we have in our life to learn, right? Is that not important? It's incredibly important. I, you yeah. know, if you're, this is one of my, another, I know I'm so popular for my sayings now, but my, one of my most favorite <laughs> sayings is if you are the smartest person in the room consistently, you're, I think you're in the wrong rooms, right? So it's exactly. so important to continue to learn. The only thing you should know is you, learn. you don't know. We got to learn along the way. If, if life is so busy, you fail to just stop and learn. And this morning, I had one of those experiences. So I went out and played uh, pickleball. And so, yes, I am preparing for my days in the, the nursing home. Okay, <laughs> let's get an early early start there. Get my pickleball training going. So I'm playing with a good friend of mine, Dr. Todd Hayes. And so we're out there. By the way, it's also a good idea. If you're going to exercise, do it with a doctor. So if I ever drop over dead, hopefully... He can sign my death certificate. I don't know. He's already said he's not giving me CPR, so I don't. I know that's out of the question. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> this is what this is. Have you ever? Do you have a friend who's a doctor? 
I'm just curious. I don't have any fr- friends that are okay. doctors. I like, apparently I don't have good enough friends. No, no, no. I'm, no that's not it. I'm just saying it's interesting. They, they could find the most interesting subjects as proper conversation. I had one friend who now lives in uh, Houston, Naomi. She was actually a doctor that specialized in the, I don't even know how to say this, but, um, but doctor is, is that a appropriate? Uh, poop doctor? A proctologist. Okay. That is okay. the proper name. And don't ask me why I know that it's not an appropriate <laughs> conversation for this show. But go ahead. Okay. Oh, I'm about ready to go there. I'm going there. So um, she would have conversations like you would just go, wow, I, I had no idea this could be actually said. So I here I am with, with my friend, Dr. Hayes, and uh, he just said, hey, you know what? If your rectum ever gets blown out, yeah, I said that correctly, your rectum gets blown out, you know what you should do? You should put sugar on it. And if you put sugar on it, it will shrink up and you can put it back in. There you go, Amy. You, you don't be so fast-paced. You fail to learn along the way. <laughs> so that is by that's... far one of the most disgusting things I think <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyone has ever informed me of in my entire life. Thank you so much, Joel. Apparently, that's a real medical procedure. And we were listening to some heavy metal songs. I think Pour Some Sugar On Me came on. So we're listening to a little bit oh. of Def Leppard as we're playing pickleball. Yeah, I have no idea how that image works for you. But nonetheless, we're listening to Pour Some Sugar On Me. And that's when he decides to share the story about, yeah, it actually was a real medical procedure. You just pour some sugar on it. And at the hospital, they'll actually go to the, the cafeteria and get some sugar packets. I don't know if he was kidding about that or not. But nonetheless, fascinating story. The things that you learn when playing pickleball with a doctor and so yeah you, you gotta get more doctor friends if you want to improve the content and level of your conversation so clearly i don't know if there's an if there's an easier segue from that pour some sugar on me to this a debriefing the law but let's try amy so let's jump right into what i know when i heard about this case i said okay if there is ever a case that has amy's name written all over it it would be this case, the Monahoy School District v. BL. And I'm going to just basically set out the facts, but then, Amy, I want you to take over. So this is the case right now before the Supreme Court. And I know recently you and I have had a conversation about swearing in court. Have we not? We, we have. And it's yeah. one of my most favorite pastimes. Exactly. So apparently the Supreme Court maybe listened to our podcast. I don't know. They got wind of of that issue. They took up a case recently about a cheerleader who was suspended for dropping F-bombs on Snapchat. And so uh, what apparently happened here was there was this 14-year-old girl, and she was on the high school's junior varsity cheerleading team. And so she tried out for varsity, did not make varsity, was bummed about that, so went to Snapchat and dropped a bunch of F-bombs, basically said F the school, F softball, F cheer, F everything, but didn't say F. You get the idea. I'm not from New Jersey, so I don't have that same license. But nonetheless, (laughs) what is your take on that? I Okay, so first I think we need to give our listeners a little bit of background. This is not the first time the Supreme Court has dealt with an issue like this, okay? Teenagers like to express themselves in different ways, right? They're very expressive, these teenagers. Come a long way. From the first seminal case of Tinker 
uh, in Des Moines where I believe children or I call them children, teenagers were wearing black bands on shirts right. and backpacks, right? Was that the issue yes. at the time? And they were protesting. The, the Vietnam War era. The Vietnam War, right. They were protesting the war by wearing these black bands, which is very classy and tasteful if we think about it in today's context, right? Right, right. Um, and, you know, I I feel bad for this this girl. I mean, she's just expressing herself. She did it in a manner that really had nothing to do with the school. I'm a little annoyed she didn't use proper punctuation in her snap. There's no <laughs> there's no uh, commas or semicolons. It's fine. I'm sure she'll learn that in college. Um, but I think it was it was wrong that she was punished. And I think uh, the girl that tattletailed on her, you know, not cool. So let's uh, let's unpack this. So we're talking about Snapchat now for you older listeners to this program. When I say older, I mean basically over forty, because uh, I'm in I'm kind of in that category for at least a couple six more months, uh, where I am I could say over forty and be okay. Because if you're sixty and you say over forty, that that really doesn't work. But I'm still in my forties, so I'm good with that. Uh, but um, where was I even going with that that statement? I've totally forgot my train of thought. Do you have any idea what I was saying? I think you were wanting to explain what Snapchat is. Okay, so Snapchat yes, for everyone. You. I know we're having a crazy day. It is what it is. So Snapchat is a application you can have on your phone where you can send pictures with messages that disappear after a certain amount of time. So if right. Joel, if I send you as like a picture or a snap, as the Ute is calling it these days, um, you, as soon as you open <laughs> it, it will disappear into the world. Well, we know that nothing really disappears once you put it out there. So I think this girl sent this Snapchat out to what well, I guess who she believed was her friend. Somebody screenshotted it for somebody that doesn't know what right. that means. A screenshot is when you capture <laughs> the photo and create a digital photo forever. So this individual shared um, this 14-year-old girl's expression and frustrations with, I believe it was the cheerleading coach. And the cheerleading coach reported her to the school stating that it violated, I guess, their code of conduct. And I, was she suspended, Joel? She was maybe suspended. For a year. For one year. It's extreme. She was suspended. Kicked off. Right. Mm. Uh, and a lot of the court was bothered by the, ex the extremity of the punishment. So let's unpack how the law should be applied in this case. You already mentioned a little bit about the Tinker v. Des Moines Independent Community School District case. In that case, the court did set the principle that the school can regulate speech that would substantially disrupt the school's work, but outside of that, really cannot engage in viewpoint-based speech restriction. And so the issue here, a lot of people were thinking, there's a lot of different issues in this case, but one case is, one, one issue is, is this really disrupting the school's work? I mean, this was a statement made outside of school context, right? This was done, which that is an interesting issue for the court because if you put it on the internet, then someone could read it while they're at school. So is that at school? Well, still, this was done off school grounds, you know, uh, on their non-school time, but um, it didn't really disrupt schoolwork. So should the school be allowed to punish you for speech that is not really disruptive of the school day? Absolutely not. I, I disagree with this school so much. And if I was the parents, I would have done the same thing in this case because right. this is not bothering anyone. We're living in a different world now. One, if this is disrupting you, the Snapchat is disrupting you at school, one, you shouldn't be on your phone at school. So put that. Yes. I almost cursed. Put the phone down. Put the phone down. Right, right. Okay. And two, 
what I mean, she didn't do anything so egregious that it, it would be so offensive to the school. I cannot think of one child, one teenager that has not said F school at one right. point in their life. Okay. Exactly. So if that, so let's draw a distinction here between, I think what is a real issue and that is bullying. And so a lot of people, a lot of experts are trying to say, Oh no, this is going to be a case that either opens up the door to allow for bullying of kids or to not allow for it. I'm thinking, no, this is not, this is not a case where you have to make that distinction because this is not about bullying. This was just simply about expressing a viewpoint about what this student thought about the school and her feelings about being not not acceptable acceptance or not not being accepted to the team. And so she said that. It, it's her viewpoint. It was not disruptive. It was not bullying. If she was saying, "Oh, look, this student over here who's my classmate, whatever." And then she tried to bully that student. That's a different issue altogether. The court was not deciding that issue or will not be deciding that issue in this case. Any thoughts on how the court might rule? I think the court is going to find that it's it violated her First Amendment, the punishment, and the punishment was way too egregious. And I think they're going to piggyback off of a disruption viewpoint. You know, And, that, and it's so funny, Joel, because you took the thought right out of my head. You know what's a real issue? Online bullying. For someone right. to go online and write, you know, F this, F that, not problem, okay? There would have been no difference if she had gone online and left a Google review of the school. You know what? This yes, place is terrible, exactly. zero stars. Would not recommend, right. okay? No difference. Right. If she had been punished for that, it would have been the same concept. Right. I, I, You know what? I agree with you 100% on how the court's going to rule. I do think the court's going to say this is not a bullying case. If this were bullying, it would be a different issue altogether. We're going to say that for another day. This is about disruption, and this did not cause disruption outside of someone expressing their viewpoint. But you know what? You're not free from that kind of disruption. If someone is expressing outside of school what they think of the school, that girl, put on your big boy panties or whatever you want to say, uh, but that is not so, uh, this, a kind of disruption that we are going to uh, give much credence to. All right. I think we are, we've nailed that case. Now let's move on to maybe a case that's slightly more important. Actually, I'm, I'm fascinated about this case. This is a um, felony charge. I, I read this article where felony charges were dropped against a woman who failed to return a VHS rental. Now, here's why I'm fascinated to discuss this case with you. Do you even know what this case is about? Have you ever rented a VHS tape? Yes. I was alive in the era of going to Blockbuster on a Friday night with your parents, begging them for snacks, and running around the okay. store, secretly <laughs> sneaking into the inappropriate movies, looking right. at the covers, and your parents <laughs> screaming at you to get your butts back to where you belong and bringing Blockbuster tapes back. Yes, I was alive for this. So thank you for assuming that I was not. I appreciate it. I will take the youth points. But yes, I was around for VHS tapes. Interesting. Do you remember that what you would have to do is you'd actually have to see the cover and then move it to see if a tape was behind it because they wouldn't actually have a tape unless it available unless it actually had a tape behind it right there. Oh, those were the, the good days. And I remember about Be Kind, Rewind, and Don't Leave It Out in the Sun, all those kind of rules that kids nowadays would know nothing about. Well, here's what happened. This, um, uh, this Texas woman, Karen McBride, uh, she was 
pulled over for, I don't know if she was speeding or whatnot, and they said she was a wanted felon in Oklahoma because she did not return a Sabrina the Teenage Witch VHS tape in 1999. Now, Amy, did you remember what this lady's response was to being said she was a wanted felon? I cannot recall her response, but I... It was hilarious. Okay, please. Here's what she said. Go ahead. She said, no. I, I would never watch Teenage uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It's not a movie I would ever watch. And so I find that hilarious. No, that's not my movie. I wouldn't do that. But apparently uh, she was. Now, did you ever fail to return a videotape on time and got busted for late fees? I probably did. I probably cost my parents quite a few dollars in late fees. Um, wow. You know, I, I, same with library books. Wasn't very good at that either. Just losing yes. track of time. Yeah, oh, I know. It reminds me. I'm a felon. Actually, I have a, a, Criminal. You, you know what? And I'm hanging out with you. That is even more oh, problematic. No, association. I, <laughs> that is right. Well, luckily, I'm not on parole or I would be in an extra trouble. But here's another interesting thing. She was not the only one. This brought to light another situation where a guy named James Meyer was pulled over for a taillight that was out. And when this officer pulled him over, he then found out there was a warrant for him for failure to return a movie. If, uh, yeah, I don't actually want to rent the, the title, read the title of this one. Yeah, I wouldn't do so, that. <laughs> that one looks rather pornographic, but nonetheless, um, he was actually handcuffed and arrested for not returning the VHS tape. They later with uh, dropped the charges, but that's pretty serious when you're taking it to the next level of actually handcuffing someone for not returning a VHS tape. I mean, my question is really, what are we doing with VHS tapes now? Uh, everyone, I mean, if is somebody like making them into creative artwork, um, are we recycling them? I like, what are we doing with them as a society? I really don't know, and I guarantee my daughter will never know what a VHS tape is ever. Wow. I'm gonna have to explain it to her. I'm gonna be like, look at this ancient artifact. I could probably oh, trick man. her. Yeah, that's right. What what is this? Uh, is this like a coaster? Yeah. Maybe we put like uh, you know things on it. They're plastic. All that plastic being wasted. Yeah, my wife she wanted to own every single Disney movie ever made in VHS because what she told me was this is probably true that Disney only offers their tapes, whatever, for a certain period of time, then they take them off of the market. You just can't buy, let's just say, Jungle Book forever. They'll actually only offer it for a certain period of time. So we went out and bought on VHS every single Disney movie ever made up until that point. Yeah, that's obviously did nothing for us. Uh, so we have a bunch of stuff to, for the recycling bin. But nonetheless, um, another interesting thing about this case you just pointed out, sometimes when we do a podcast, we just read our notes. And, and I didn't know what I was reading. I never caught the name of that second movie until I was just about ready to read it. I read the first line. Oh, Freddy. Freddy, like um, the, the Freddy who was on The Nightmare at Elm Street. That's what I'm thinking. Oh. So then I quickly read the oh, rest no. of it and thought, yeah, I don't want to read that oh, title no. uh, oh, online. And so. No. Yes. I, <laughs> no. My mind is wandering. Let's leave it there. But my question so is. So are you thinking, what is he going to say? Is he actually going to say the title of this? My, well, that, which I I know you won't because I know you're very polite. My question is, on what grounds was the case dismissed? Was it that VHS tapes are no longer relevant or is it because it was so extreme? I mean, this punishment for not returning a VHS tape is incredibly extreme. We were on a roll with extreme punishments today. 
I think it has to be, yes, this is not a matter that we care about anymore. And so um, it's just, it's extreme. Like you said, it's not worth it, the time, and the resources to go after it and to, to impose a felony against a person for doing this. And, and most of these places, if not both of them, were out of business at that point in time. So it's not like someone is going to be restitution to this place. What are you going to give them? 20 bucks for a movie. So yeah, I think in these situations, you got the application of the law according to its terms would just be unjust. It would be a waste of time and resources. And so let's not even go down that road. Let's just drop the charges. Speaking of not meritless cases, let's end on a, uh, I don't want to say a high note because it depends upon how you view these kind of cases, but a significant note. And so this is a New York Rifle and Pistol Association, the Corlett case. The Supreme Court just announced it was taking up another gun case during for its next term. So this probably would be argued next fall at the U.S. Supreme Court. This case is going to impact quite a bit the Second Amendment and the right to bear uh, arms and how that right is applied in this world. Now, Amy, do you have any thoughts on what the court might do with this case? Or are you just going to be an observer and we're going to comment along the way? You know, I I can't really predict where the Supreme Court's going with this. It's only because current climate, right? I think I right. I think I'll probably observe. I you know I make no bones about it. I am a, a Second Amendment advocate. You can kind of see where I, I'm going to fall on the spectrum of this. I am a gun owner. I know there are certain rules, especially in New York. Okay, so New York is a tricky state. Let's not forget because we have New York City and then we have upstate New York. They might as well be different worlds. Okay, right, right. So we can't right. have the same application for gun laws in New York City, perhaps, as we have in upstate New York, where there's hunting, fishing. It is it is basically rural paradise. So I'm right. kind of interested on where the Supreme Court's gonna land on this, but I am that I am a pro-gun person. I hope that doesn't turn anybody off, but it it <laughs> happens. I know people are very passionate about the subject. I am a, uh, I've historically been a Second Amendment advocate, but at the same time, I've never owned a gun. So it's kind of like this weird thing, you know, I'm almost afraid to have a gun in the house, but I do believe that the Second Amendment, that's what it meant. That was a purpose of it. I saw a recent meme that someone posted on Facebook. They're trying to make fun of the Second Amendment. And they said, number of tyrants overthrown since, you know, 1789 being zero. And they, they posted that meme as if to say, this is why the Second Amendment is not needed. And my thought was, well, actually, that argument goes the other way. Because the reason why you have the Second Amendment, according to you know historians, is that the government will be less likely to be overthrown when the citizens can have the power to, to revolt against that. And so that's actually the protection, that protect the protective layer from tyrants coming over and taking over a country. Well, nonetheless, this in this case, the justice announced they would take up this case as a challenge to a New York law that requires anyone who wants to carry a gun in the state to show a good reason for doing so. And this is going to set up the stage for a major ruling on gun rights. So just a little bit of a background in Heller, the District of Columbia v. Heller, it's a 2008 case. The Supreme Court took up the issue of whether the Second Amendment includes a personal right to keep and bear arms. And the Supreme Court said, yes, it does. It's a personal right. So you have a right to, to, to keep and bear arms. Now, as Amy, as you know, no right, not even free speech, is absolute. 
there will be a, a standard of review for regulations. Like, for example, with the free speech, uh, a strict scrutiny is applied. So any governmental regulation that regulates speech has to be uh, serve a compelling governmental interest and be narrowly tailored. And all those obviously other kinds of rules as well. I'm just using that as an example. There's also a rational basis, which means the governments can regulate this as long as they have a rational basis for doing so. Amy, the issue that was left open after Heller was what standard of review would be applied to these government regulations on guns? Would it be a strict scrutiny basis? Would it be a rational basis review or something in between? And so maybe the court is going to help to identify that issue here. What is the appropriate standard of review? That being said, Amy, uh, it's been a great week. Thank you so much for joining us today, and let's look forward to another week next week. Any interesting things on your docket as we approach next week? You know what, Joel? I'm having a quiet uh, week next week, and I will tell you why. Eight, <laughs> this is going to sound funny to some of you that aren't in uh, the divorce business, but as we approach the summer, my the divorce business slows down, and it is actually something I like to call prenuptial season, okay? okay. And why okay. I, I know, funny, right? It's prenup season because people are getting married, and I am actually in the midst of preparing probably three or four prenuptial agreements um, with people who have um, impeding nuptials. Um, All right. My season, my divorce season will pick up after the summer once everybody realizes that summer loving is over. They hate their spouse again, and they're going to proceed. <laughs> but right now, I'm having a very quiet time in my profession. And of other divorce lawyers out there, it is prenup season. I wish you all the best. Um, and hopefully, everyone <laughs> proceeds to the altar in the timely fashion which they set out. Now, Amy, I don't want you to divulge any of your clients' names, but I do want you to tell me, do, do, do any of your recent clients' names kind of rhyme with gates perchance ah no i wish oh i will be following (laughs) that case so closely i could not even imagine the team of lawyers that will be employed for both sides no less probably than 50 on either side it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. I want to go ahead and do this. I want to put this on the record. I want to talk during our next episode about what that case looks like. Because I have a lot of questions about divorces at that level with that amount of money. I know we have the Jeff Bezos uh, divorce. I believe... No, he didn't get divorced. Who was the one who got divorced? No, he did get divorced. And it was very amicable for what what was done there. You know, here's the deal, Joel. We can dive into this next week. But when you have that amount of money, there will be a settlement. There will be very little litigation, and it will be very hush hush and very amicable. I will say that. Okay. Surprisingly. Good. I want you to unpack that for us next week so we can get some kind of understanding. Uh, and of course, it'll be a lot of sensational fun because, hey, it's in the news. You got. Everyone talking about how the queen is suddenly single and then Bill Gates get divorced. Trying to make a connection there. I'm not sure there is one, but (laughs) hey, that being said, have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, 
please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for spreading the good word about us. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Triplicity Marketing for our technical and computer support. Mm-hmm.